morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody here. Another episode of Chasing Birdies. It's me, Ryan, and my man, JP. I am so, so excited for today. And I know that I'm excited for every episode, and it's a special episode. But today is a very, very special episode. Uh, We have a special lady on the podcast today. 94 professional wins. 10 majors. Three U.S. Opens. Wow. Um, That's impressive. I mean, considering you and I, we just won one member guest. And we were partying, (laughs) bud. And we thought it was like the Masters. We thought we just hit a Grand Slam. Which we haven't even told anybody about. No. We really have not put it out there to let people know. So let's catch people up a little bit. All right. So right now, we're we're both in Vail, Colorado right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Training. It's training for the off season. High altitude training right now. I'm getting some good endurance training in for the golf swing. He's getting some good hiking in to, you know, better himself. Probably your wife will appreciate that. But the endurance aspect of it's been great for you. It's it's uh, been great, man. I mean, today was spectacular. Yeah, what a good day. Let's talk about the Pikewood National member guest. That we we overcame and we won the whole member guest. And let's get this out there. It, Ryan is a scratch. I'm a scratch. And it's not easy for two scratches to win a, not at a all. member guest. You can win your flight. Right. But to win the whole member guest? Yes. Tough, dude. And it, look, we've been doing it now for, what, five, six years together? We yeah. Haven't even gone close. I mean, but... It was a weight lifted off my chest. Yeah, done. I mean, so so. Long story short, we win our flight. We go into a shootout. There is eight twosomes, so sixteen players playing in one group. Yeah, it's and a, it's uh, like Vietnam. The number ten was uh, everyone got a shot. The last two groups got two shots. Uh-huh. Best ball net. Yeah. I th- we Brian made a 3 for 2. Correct. And we had a one shot lead. Mm-hmm. Going into 17. Um 17. 17 par 5. If you haven't played Pikewood, you're not going to understand what we're talking about and uh I really don't want to divulge into the secrets of <laughs> Pikewood. So, um it's a par 5. That's all you have to know over water. Um Ryan pulls it a little left into the fescue. I hit one down the right side in the fairway. I go for it in two. Middle of the green, 20 feet. Yeah, it it was a great and shot. It trickles into the, rolls through into the rough, and Ryan punches out, um, pitches up to about 20 feet. The guy that, the team that we're leading by one makes a seven. Yeah. And I chunked it out of the, out of the rough and uh, made five. Ryan's has a 25 footer, would you say? Yeah, it's about 20 foot up the hill. A little bender, right? Makes a bomb. Yeah, made it. Mm-hmm. So we're off to a roaring start of a three for two and then a four. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, three under for three two. Correct. And yeah. uh, we're keying off on 18. We got a two shot lead. All right. Uh, first two groups don't get shots. That would be us. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. <laughs> And the last couple groups all get shots. So the group that we're leading on two shots is getting a shot. 
I hit driver down the left-hand side fairway. Ryan pulls it <laughs> slightly into the fescue. Um, well, it wasn't a hazard. It was a hazard. Yeah, but it was a fescue hazard. But nerves get the best of all of us. But we. But all right. I wasn't nervous. I just, <laughs> you know, I just hit a bad drive. It wasn't even a bad drive. If it was a wider fairway, it would have been great. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it went in. A 20-yard wide fairway. Um. Uh, so shit. <laughs> the team that we're leading by two, uh, he hits one up there to probably about what? 15 feet. Correct. So in my mind, he makes this, he makes three, four, two. And now all of a sudden we make par and we're tied. Correct. That's a good, a good thought. Bash is trying to decide, do I go for it? Do I not? Just go for it. All right. All right. But let me just tell you all this. All right. Think about this. The ball's above my feet. I got a great lie. But I also am on like a severe slope. So I kept thinking in my head, you know, my partner has got 90 yards. And, you know, if, if there's ever a weak spot in his game, which is rare, it's like, I don't know if he's going to fucking blade it or if he's going to just chunk it. So I'm thinking in my head, like, maybe I should just put put it in a fairway. Every bad thought went in my mind. On that hole. So anyways, I go for it, guys. Long story short, I'm like, you know what? I got a buck 10, decent lie, terrible footing. I swing at it, make he contact. Goes he goes missing. And I, I I lose my foot, my grip. I slide down the hill, roll down. No one even gave it. No one even was. I like put my hand up, let, the, let everybody know I'm all right. And uh, needless to say, the the result of the shot was awful. So Pep had all the pressure in the world coming down 18. And so I, I, Bo, our caddy, which he's the man, he's the best, highly recommend him. In my mind, I'm saying 80 yards, just have 80 yards. That's all I need. That swing. That's yeah, that's it. That was it. And, uh, he's trying to talk me through it and I just wanted to hit it and I hit it and I hit a pretty good shot. You hit a great, you hit a great shot. Hit it to probably, what, 12 feet behind the hole? Yeah. Downhill slider, left to right. Greens were rolling 14 at Pikewood for the member guest. Incredible job. Oh, they did a hell of a job. Um, So, of course, like I laid out to you guys, he made three for two, the other team. So now, all of a sudden, we're tied. And uh, I said left edge. Yeah. And I hit it, and I made it. And you made it. And uh, so we went by one shot, and the relief of winning a member guest was incredible. It's like brain freeze. And then, you know, whenever brain freeze goes away, it's like the best feeling in the world. And that was like the best feeling. Like, gosh, we just just did it, We just freaking won. Yeah. So long story short, that's probably half of the 10 – Majors, well, half of one of the 10 majors that Annika has won. Annika Sorenstam, that is for you guys. Um, that's who we have on today. We are so excited to bring to you Annika Sorenstam. It was an incredible interview. You know, we really just talked about golf, and uh, she's a special, special lady. Like I said, 10 majors. Yeah. And it's incredible. The work ethic. You know, behind her is to be number to be number one in the world at what you do. I mean, she tells stories about practicing with Tiger Woods 
and um, you know, she shot 59. She made eight birdies in a row. Yes. The day that she shot 59 with her sister in the group. Solid. And she <laughs> told her caddy she needs to make a par so that she can feel comfortable again. Yeah. And she made par on nine and then kept it rolling. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is we're going to keep it rolling right into the interview with Annika Sorensen, World Golf Hall of Famer. Enjoy it. And please tell your friends, subscribe, like, listen, and let's just keep it rolling, guys. Yeah, let's keep it rolling. Let's get right to the interview. Hope you all enjoy it. As you all know by now, Chase and Birdies is proud to be partners with Holderness and Born. Check them out online at hbgolf.com. Holderness and Born makes fabulous pieces that help you look good on the course, even if your game is not up to par. Check out their new arrivals now for this golf season. Also, head on over to chasinbirdies.com to get some custom Chasin Birdie gear from Holderness and Born. We'll continue to drop these pieces through every season. That's chasinbirdies.com and Holderness and Born at hbgolf.com. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of Chase and Birdies. Ryan Bashauer here with my co-host, Jonathan. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Good, good. We uh, are very excited about today's guest. Many, many accolades behind this lady. Um, one of the most, if not the most, well-known female golfer of all time, Annika Sorenstam. Annika, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Great to be with you. So let's uh, let's just get right back into this interview here. I know Jonathan and you probably have a mutual friend that you might not even even know about out the gate. Yeah. So uh, Annika, I have to say that Peggy Kirkbell holds a special place in my heart. Uh, she taught me the game of golf, and and I know that she was very close with you as well. Well, that's nice. To, <laughs> nice to hear. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, she uh, she was a special special woman. I know one of the founders of the LPGA Tour. And she absolutely uh, adored you. And I, I do have to tell a quick story, a pine needle story out of the gate. We have a house on the third tee box of, of pine needles, a par three, and I'm, I'm getting ready for the state high school tournament my freshman year, and I'm eating breakfast, and I look out there, and there you are having a practice round. So I hurried up and ran out there and got a photo with you, like a, like a super fan. But uh, <laughs> it, was, it was about two weeks before you were going to be there for the Women's Open. And yeah, I mean, there's so many great memories for you at Pine Needles. In 1996, you won the U.S. Open. What did that win do for your career? Well, it certainly kickstarted my career, no doubt about it. I mean, I just I love that part of the country, uh, beautiful golf courses and just the history with it and love the golf course. You know, I came in there and had a lot of confidence from the previous years, but had my parents there, I had everybody there, and it was just one of those tournaments where I felt like I was in such a zone. I was like totally in the zone. I was Everything was going my way and you know, kind of those dream rounds or dream weeks that you think of. So mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of fun memories for sure. So speaking of the zone, it seems like you, you've been in the zone a lot. And let's talk about March 16th, 2001, was it? And you were in the zone that day uh, shooting 59. <laughs> yes, I was. You know, it's funny, you know, growing up in uh, in Sweden, in the Swedish national team, I always 
thought about shooting 54, you know, 18 under par, meaning burning every hole. And, you know, people look at me and I said, you know, I think in my mind it's possible because if I play one golf course over and over again, mm-hmm. I would birdie every hole at some point. So why can't I do it in one round? So I'll never forget that day just thinking that, you know, fairs and greens and putts. And, and it was just one of those days. I mean, I really didn't have a special warm up, but I got off to a good start. I bird the first. As a matter of fact, I birdied quite a few there. I birdied actually the first four. And, and I remember turning to my caddy saying, hey, how many birdies in a row have you seen? And he said four. And I said, well, I've done six before, so I know. And then so I ended up making eight birdies in a row. So I was eight under after eight. So you can imagine I was a little nervous going into the ninth hole. But, um, you know, I turned to my caddy then and said, I'd like to just make a par. And he said, okay. And then we made the turn and I got new energy and new you know, new boost of confidence, I guess. I said, I'm ready for more birdies. So I made another four. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of those rounds. I just, you know, I look back and it just felt so easy. You know, I didn't think about second putts or anything. And so I ended up making 13 birdies and no bogeys and the rest par. And, and that's the thing, too. I, I watched a short clip the other day of, of you shooting 59. I remember it. I mean, again, at that time I was 15 years old, but I remember the 59. What I did not realize was that your sister, Charlotta, was in your group playing with you. I know. Isn't that funny? If you think of all the people you can play with, you know, out of the 144, that tee it up every year. So, I mean, every week. So, yeah, it was nice. And then I played with Meg Mallon, who's, you know, um, mm-hmm. has Phoenix Connection. So, it was really a good pairing. And you can imagine that in the beginning, we chatted a little bit. And then towards the end, I don't think anybody said anything. We were just like, okay, what's happening? Let's just focus on this. <laughs> Well, even Charlotta said, I think after you made four birdies in a row, her caddy looked at her and said, is today the day? And she said, yes. Oh, really? That's cool. And, uh, I, I mean, to shoot 59 for fun is a feat, let alone an LPGA event. Again, like you said, you made eight birdies in a row and you, you just had to make a par to get back to feeling normal, normal again. Yeah, no, uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I've looked back at this round so many times and said, you know, what, why, why did it happen? And, you know, what are the things that I did did well that I should repeat? And it's just, um, you know, I've had some other good rounds, but nothing like that. It was just, of course, I mean, I hit 18 greens, which which helped a lot. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you know, you have a lot of birdie opportunities. And I actually hit the 17th hole of mine. I hit that in two. So I had an eagle putt. So, but uh, yeah, it was just really cool. So when you, when you look back on your career, you know, and you seem like one of the most humble individuals out there, you have to feel some sense of accomplishment. I mean, you, you have 94 professional wins, 72 on LPGA tour, 10 majors, eight Solheim cups. I mean, you have to feel like, you know, your career is one that deserves to be, I mean, you're in the world golf hall of fame at the age of 33. Did you expect to get to that level or receive those accolades at at such a young age in your career? Or as you started to kind of grow and mature into the game, is that when you realized that, hey, you know what, I have something special here relative to to my competitors? Well, first of all, thank you. You know, I don't really know when it hits you or if it ever hits you because, you know, when you talk about yourself, it's, it's always a little different. But I joined a tour. I really didn't know if I can win a single golf tournament. And then I won, you know, the U.S. Open in 95. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe there's some, maybe I made the right decision to turn professional. But I knew at that time that I hadn't reached my full potential. So that, you know, that was encouraging feeling I can still win. And I, you know, because I was young, I was, you know, 24 then. So, 
you know, I think just kind of the way it turned out is, you know, every year I would set up goals and I would push myself and, and say, I can do this, I want to do that. And, and I figured if I focus more on my skills and my, you know, my game rather than, you know, we all know you can't control results or winning because mm-hmm. if we could control that, we would do all the time because you don't know what other people are doing. But you can always focus on your game, you know, hitting it further, hitting mm-hmm. it, you know, more solid or more consistent, more greens, less pots and all those. So I focused a lot on my, on my game and just trying to improve as a player. And then, you know, the accolades came after that. And so I feel, you know, I feel very lucky, but that was my focus. It was more on what I got to do gotta rather do. than just what's coming. Yeah. In your practice regimen, were you more of a, you know, play to get better type player or were you more, okay, I'm at the range for eight hours a day working on different fundamentals and different types of shots? It was a little bit, I mean, I love to practice and uh, I spent a lot of time, you know, just getting better, you know, having a purpose. I think it's really important to have a purpose with your practice, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, the way I like to talk about it is one thing is playing golf and one thing is practicing golf. You know, when I practice golf, it was, you know, different purpose and intentions than when I'm playing golf. And so I think that, you know, keeping that the distinction there is important. But then, you know, when you look at overall season, you know, you have practice sessions and tournament sessions and obviously the rest sessions when you need to rest. So, uh, but, you know, I'd be out there on the range mostly working on repeating my swing. I would. You know, I was throwing some fun little exercises. Okay, let's draw it. Let's hook it. Let's do all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was mostly, you know, I just wanted to, you know, if I hit one good shot, I will always tell myself, can I hit two in a row? Can mm-hmm. I hit three in a row? <laughs> and then just keep going. And so that was kind of, I mean, I some people might find that very boring, but I was, you know, repetition was always my thing. I mean, I, I you know, I play with and practice with a lot of guys, especially they love, hit, okay, let's hit this huge hook and this high. And, you know, they're, maybe experimenting and maybe they're just trying different things. That would be more like, okay, well, I got to figure out the basics first before I jump into, <laughs> right. you know, other band right. stuff. <laughs> so in 2003, you played uh, at Colonial on a PGA Tour event. How did that change the landscape for the LPGA Tour? You know, do you think this will segue into any other females playing in more men's events? I mean, we've had a few women play. I mean, Michelle, we uh, played and then Brittany Lincecum played in one, but and before me, um, before I played, it was you know Babe Sahara. I mean, that was like you know forty eight or years before yeah, that. Nineteen forty five or something. Yeah, so it wasn't really something that we saw on a regular basis. I think you know what I really like is is you know I think we can all learn from each other. You know, growing up in Sweden, I there were not that many girls playing golf. This was just actually with my sister <laughs> and the two of us, and then we probably had ten boys. So. And we loved it. I mean, they obviously, they tested us, they challenged us. You know, if we didn't keep up, you know, they didn't want anything to do with us. But So we had to. Uh, so that was kind of the you know, my upbringing. So when I turned professional in living in Orlando, I mean, I practiced with a lot of the guys, a lot of the pros. Um, Tiger lived around the corner, and I, I practiced with him, you know, several times. And it was just very good. I mean, he pushed me, he challenged me, he, you know, and also, but he would ask questions about my game. I mean, he obviously... I mean, he saw that I was doing well, and he's like, well, so I think we can learn from each other. I think that's what I'm trying right. to say, is even in competition, and I think if you're a golf fan, you know, I don't think that you're just only LPGA or you're not only PGA Tour fan. I think You're a professional golfer. You probably, you probably want to just love to watch, you know, mm-hmm. golf. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we can learn from that. I mean, we all know that it, as far as competition goes, it's, you know, it, it's uh, very 
you know, it's hard for women to keep up as far as distance, as, mm-hmm. as far as just putting the spin on the ball, uh, hitting out of the rough, the strength, you know, and it's, it's a big deal. But I think that just learning from each other, I mean, there's not that many sports that you can really do that. So I don't really think we're going to see a lot more playing against, but I would love to see more playing together mm-hmm. uh, just because I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, we are an entertainment and I think people would love to see that. And I personally enjoy playing, whether it's, you know, we've played skins game or we've played different, you know, different events that have been out there in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm hosting a tournament this summer with Henrik Stenson and Sweden Con the Scandinavian Mix. Where we're actually trying a new concept where we have, you know, 70, um, 72 men and 72 women playing uh, same course, one trophy, one purse. Uh, oh, but the cool. course is set up different, you know, so they have, you know, the, if you want to call it the men's tees and we have, you know, the women's right. tees. Hopefully we can set it up so that, you know, it becomes an equal competition. Uh, and I think that that'd be fun. I mean, I look forward to it. And, and I think from an entertainment standpoint, it could be really fun. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, you were just named, uh, the president of the international golf federation and, and that kind of segues into what, what I'm going to say. I think that that would be so cool in Olympic golf. If you had a, a, a male and a female, you know, from Sweden, best ball or alternate shot in the Olympic games. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It would be so cool to see, see that and see how, how the games can mold together because history speaking, your, sh- the women's short games are really, really good. and. The men, men are good, but the women, that's where I feel like the women can really separate themselves against, against men. So, I mean, it's fun. I think, you know, it's a, you know, Olympics is a great opportunity. I know if it'd be necessarily possible to do a mixed one because of, you know, all the logistics, but I know that, you know, from a team standpoint, you know, we, you look at golf and you look at some of the highlights, you know, Ryder Cup comes to mind, you know, for the women, Soham Cup comes yeah. to mind. You know, we, it's an individual sport, but when you get together and play as a team or just partners, mm-hmm. whether it's a World Cup or, you know, International Crown, as they have it on the LPGA, it just makes it fun. And it's a different way to play the game of golf. And we do know in college golf is about teams, you know, you right. have individuals, um, but it's also team. And so I think there's so many possibilities to, you know, expand this, this wonderful sport. Well, that's the cool thing too about the Solheim Cup is after when after it's all done, you guys still talk to each other. Ryan and I we're we're member we're member guest partners. We don't talk to each other after Saturday, so uh, that's kind of the difference well, there. Uh, when you miss putts like you do, it, it is, it's easy. So, in your opinion, Annika, what needs to happen for there to be more, I guess, spotlight or maybe not spotlight is the correct word, but uh, in terms of the women's golf LPGA to. You know, because I know there's been talk over the years about uh, creating more of a, a environment for the women to get more exposure in that regard. Do you think there's anything that, in your opinion, could help advance the uh, popularity of, of the game for women? Well, I think, first of all, I mean, women's golf is, is doing really, really well. And, you know, there's a lot of interest. But I think, you know, you know, to grow from here and get more exposure, as you mentioned, it's, you know, it's being on TV, it's being seen, it's being heard, it's being, you know, just being relevant consistently. And, but I also understand that how, how it works with, you know, demand and, you know, TV rights and how all of those things work. But I think, you know, if we had a crystal ball and if there was something we can do, I'd love to see the women, you know, consistently on TV on just like the men, yep. you know, the men is on in the afternoon on, you know, Thursday, Friday, and then, 
in the afternoons on Saturday, Sunday. We need more consistency, and it needs to be live. Yeah. You know, this tape, you know, tape delay is, you know, I don't find that exciting because we all have access to the information on the phone, and then when you already know the results, I don't find it so exciting. So I think, you know, we got to um, somehow get it more like wow. that on national TV. On, so um, something, obviously, you know, they're, they're in a search for a new commissioner. I think that, to me, would be a priority. How do we do that? Because the women, they do produce as far as just, you know, they're great performers, great ambassadors of the game. You know, they're willing to share the time and, and give back. And I think so they have they have all those components that's needed. It's just, you know, continue to find that spot and so people can see it more. And then you get to know players and then you're like, oh, I want to follow that. Mm, it's exactly. so random right now. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm a member down at the Greenbrier Sporting Club and Johnny West. Jerry West, obviously. And so I know Michelle's down there sometimes honing in her game, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I feel in terms of women's golf, if if you can get more live coverage and, and be up to date on the tournaments, it would be a lot more exciting to watch. And you personally, I know you took approximately 13 years off from competitive golf and you just recently played in your first event in 13 years. What was your prep like? Did you feel the nerves or was it like riding a bike to get back into tournament mode? Because you can't really emulate tournament scenarios in terms of practicing. So did you feel the nerves again or how was that? Well, you're right. You can't really practice that type of environment. I can go out there and pretend that, you know, this is the U.S. Open, but uh, it's a little difficult. And, you know, I'm a total different, you know, I would say person in a different chapter in my life now than I was. And, you know, I have other priorities. I wear a lot of different hats. So competitive golf is, you know, not my biggest and not my most important hat. So, you know, first of all, I just started to practice a little bit more. And I must say that COVID kind of helped with that uh, when, you know, we were kind of strapped in and limited to what to do and, and where to go. So my son and I, after our family, will go out and my son is 10 now, but he was just he's really into golf and I would spend more time outside with him. And then I said, well, while I'm watching him, I might as well hit some. <laughs> and so I was hitting. And then the more I hit them, you know, I started to hit a little better. And I started to get a little more interested. And I started to work on something. And I saw the results. I'm like, well, I'm just, you know. So he's becoming my practice partner. And then I just turned 50 in October. And I said, you know, there are a few tournaments for, for older ladies. So maybe I should do that. And, um, but, you know, then I looked at my game. I said, you know what? I'm very rusty. I have no really no competition uh, experience the last 13 years. So, yeah, they host an LCJ tournament just around the corner. Actually, I live, I live on the 16th hole, so I can almost roll out of bed and get to the tee. And I said, <laughs> I would love to play here. So, and I was, so I was, um, I was nervous, no doubt. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, when I played at my peak, I knew what to expect. I mean, I was in charge, I was in control. And here right. I would say, not the same. Uh, you know, in the morning you, you make lunch, uh, boxes for the kids and then you go warm up and you know all of a sudden you're like a professional golfer and and trying to do all those things so yeah I was a little rusty I was nervous I wasn't as sharp as I needed to be and you know which is understandable but it was fun to be out there I had my husband on the bag and Mm -hmm. you know we shared it together and the kids came out and walked and it was just you haven't really seen me play you know as a you know as a competitor you know they knew I did that but not like in you know, not right. right there. So they saw me, you know, playing with these young players that I can probably be their mother to also. So it was interesting. <laughs> it was a, it was a fun thing. And, you know, it's amazing how, you know, I just, I love the competition and obviously, but it's fun to be part of. And so, yeah, I look back fondly. It was a great experience and 
I got to try and play a little bit more here and there, not necessarily LPGA tournaments, but somewhere where you stand on the tee and, and you can feel those, you know, a little bit of nerves, like, okay, you've got to focus a little bit and not just go out there with casual golf. Right. And that's, and that's the thing that, like you said, you're, you're now a mother and you're a wife. And, uh, when you were number one in the world, you didn't necessarily have a family to, you could just focus on golf. And now again, you know, Mike, your husband is on your bag. It's so cool to see it full circle because golf is truly a family sport. And now, like you said, your children are coming out to watch their mother play golf, who was number one in the world for many, many years and quite possibly the greatest women's golfer ever. So it's really cool to see and and be able to share that moment with your family. Thank you very much. Yeah, Noah, we'll cherish that weekend and just being out here and yeah, that's what really life is about. I think when you get a little older, you kind of get a little more sentimental like that and you mm-hmm. appreciate things a little differently when, you know, you're starting out and you think, you know, the whole world is knows, you know, it lies on this particular path. You know, that's all that matters at that age. And then you grow up, as you know, it's just, you know, you think, you know what, maybe in the end of the day, that's not that important, but it's the memories. And we made some amazing memories. So that's really cool. Yep. You can take them with you for the rest of your life. That's the beauty of golf. Yeah. Um, your Annika Foundation. Do you want to touch briefly on that a little bit about the initiative behind that, Annika? Because I know you're you're out there doing good things. Thank you. I know I'm very passionate about that, and actually, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, you know, when I stepped away in 2008, we had already started the Annika Foundation, but just by by one year, and it was a, a way for me to say thanks. It was a way for me to, you know, get back to the next generation and inspire um, young girls to fulfill their dreams. Kind of like my life has been a dream, so. It was it's playing opportunities. We started with a tournament in the U.S. Global events. Girls are twelve to eighteen, so just before college, really a crucial age when it comes to girls' sports. And you know, we had 70, 78 players, and it was really uh, it was great. We had sixteen different countries represented. And when we left that after the tournament, we had many of the uh, the international federations come up and said, "You should do this," you know, globally. So. That's how it started, and fast forward 13 years now, we actually have seven global tournaments where we do the same type of concept, you know, in New Zealand, Argentina, China, and then Europe, and then we host the college tournament. So we have, and then we have different initiatives uh, that we call daily initiatives or grassroots initials, meaning, you know, we start at the kind of the beginning stages in the local areas, and it's called Share My Passion, Share My Passion Days are, you know, three hours, these girls are six to 12. So they're just beginning, you know, beginning um, introductions to the game. They write a letter why they want to be part of it. Um, but, you know, overall, we look at our initiatives. We've had, you know, every year we have 600 uh, girls go through our programs and wow. over 60 has now play on the LPGA. So I, I follow them. And that's wow. why it was so neat when I played here. I played mm-hmm. with, you know, many of the ones that we host golf tournaments for. So it was funny. I, I'd be mentoring them. And then, I, then I'd then i be thinking, you know what? I got to focus on my game. I'm playing in a tournament. <laughs> so and I'm focusing on, you know, how you get ready. So it was, it was kind of neat, but yeah, I was super proud of the foundation and obviously take, take great partners. And, you know, we have that in MasterCard with Rolex and Callaway and, and RNA to, to mention a few and ahead. And, you know, without them, we couldn't really do it, but, you know, they mm-hmm. all see the benefits of, helping young girls, the benefit of being global uh, and mm-hmm. being there consistently. So we're, we're super proud. And, you know, obviously we, we hope that the COVID restrictions will ease up a little bit so we can get back on track and continue, you know, doing it virtually is is, is not as effective. 
but we're keeping in touch with these young players and, you know, inspire them hopefully from, from afar. Well, that's great. And, and for listeners out there, uh, check, check the foundation out online. It's www.annikafoundation.org. Uh, you can read all about it. You can donate. It's a great cause. Obviously, you just heard about it. And I think that's wonderful, Annika. Uh, we're going to segue to our last segment here of the show. I know your time is valuable and probably have a lot more things to do right now on this beautiful Thursday of the Masters. We're going to ask you a couple questions called our tap-in segment of our show. It's the last part of our show, and Jonathan's just going to rattle off three questions for you. All right, Annika, we'll make it easy for you. Then, then you can get back on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Bermuda or bent greens? Bent. Okay. I'd agree. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that too. All right. Your favorite major of the year. I know we're, we're watching a major right now, but what's your favorite major to well, watch? To watch, I, I love the Masters, but I love playing in the U.S. Open. I thought that was mm-hmm. a cool thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Pickled herring or fried herring? Oh, pickled. Oh, yeah. Like pickled. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and the last question is, after you would win, what would your drink of choice be? You know, when I played, I really didn't drink much. So, um, okay. but now I would certainly say a glass of wine. <laughs> a little glass of red wine. Well, yes. you know, I I told Mike uh, this next time you guys are in the Pittsburgh area, um, we'll have to have you do a Steeler game or a Penguin game, and we'll grab that. We'll grab that uh, glass of red wine with you guys. Sounds great. I appreciate it very much. Annika, thank you so much for taking uh, time from your day to speak with us. Yeah, thank you, Annika. Absolutely. Having me. Take care. Guys, that was awesome. No, Listen no. to Annika talk about golf. What a, I mean, just what a what a good woman. You know, what mm-hmm. what good work ethic and what good stories and you know, and that's what we're all trying to do out there on the golf course. We're all trying to chase birdies and She's done it, man. She's done it. And and like I said, you know, I have a daughter. I have friends that have daughters. We're all trying to be able to provide opportunities for our daughters uh, in life and in sports. And that's what she's doing with her foundation is providing opportunity uh, for for the females. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it's really fun to watch. Um, real quick, I want to thank our sponsor, Nemecolon. Uh, go check them out on nemacolon.com. Uh, truly a special place for Ryan and myself. Uh, five-star resort in Farmington, Pennsylvania. Two Pete Dye golf courses and a little bit of everything else f- for you to do, even if you want to bring your family there. I know uh, Ryan likes to do a little paintball by himself. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, what, bud? And, and, uh, what? I mean, and you like yeah. to go feed the lions. Oh, dude. The zoo, it's crazy. It, it is. It's, it's, awesome, it's, it's awesome a spectacular spot. place. Um, but thank you so much to them. They've supported us from day one. And uh, go check them out at nemacolon.com and tell them that the Chase and Birdie Boys sent you over whenever you uh, place your reservation because it is a truly special place to take your family and to play 36 holes of golf. Um, also, what I wanted to bring to the forefront here a little bit is that there was a tragedy in the golf world. Uh, Gene Siller was tragically murdered uh, on the golf course this week. 
which is crazy to think about. It is a safe haven for a lot of us to um, get away. And uh, so if you can, please go to his GoFundMe page, give the family five, $10, whatever it may be, whatever you can afford. Uh, I know his two boys and his wife would truly appreciate it. Yes, I'm at a loss for words because it happened on the golf course, but please, his family needs it right now. And, uh, I, yeah, it's sad, man. God rest his soul, you know, but, and, uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, and I couldn't imagine it happening to, uh, some other people out there. And, uh, no, so please go to GoFundMe and, uh, look up Gene Siller and donate to him. Uh, we're thinking about him and, and his family. So, no, I know. Tragedy. And moving on from that point, our next episode, we have a world-renowned psychologist in the sports realm, Dr. Bob Rotella. Maybe he's not even a psychologist. Maybe he's a psychiatrist. He I don't could be know. both. He's just, I mean, he's a sports uh, psychologist is what he calls himself. He, he works with uh, one of the more famous basketball players in the world right now. I know that he's won th- 33 majors as a golf psychologist. Yep. Uh, he's worked with baseball, basketball, lacrosse. Um, he's written numerous books. Golf is not a game of perfect, which is the number one seller in Ireland out of mm-hmm. all titles. So it's, it's a really cool talk with Dr. Bob. Well, Mo Norman said it, but it's Mo Norman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bobby Jones, Jack Nicholas played with the shortest club, and that was six inches, and that is between the ears, mm-hmm. and that's what golf is. So, uh, the interview with Dr. Bob is incredible, and obviously, we appreciate the listeners and listening in to that episode here in another two weeks. Please yeah, make sure that you go like at Chase and underscore Birdies, like us on Facebook, and go to our website ChaseandBirdies.co. There is some swag on there for you all to purchase. Uh, we really appreciate the support. Yeah, and we'll be uh, I, rolling. Know, I know Ryan really appreciates it. So, uh, yeah. Well, we both appreciate it, and we'll be rolling some, you know, some new stuff out as time goes on. And and but first and foremost, thanks to all the listeners. Thanks for listening, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Chasing Birdies. And you know, we want to give a shout out to Simpler Media for for getting this thing done always. So thank you guys and thank you all for listening and go chase those birdies. Have a good day. Go chase them. Mm-hmm.